Welcome to Threshold Church. Today's message is from Pastor Jake Kale. So before I pray and dive into my message, we're going to hear a testimony tonight because it's going to relate to what I'm going to be sharing on. And so where's Mr. West? There he is. Mr. Wesley, would you make your way up here? Let's give a round of applause for Wesley. You might recognize West because sometimes he does our sound. So you'll see him on his iPad. You know, if, if you see him kind of walking around with his iPad, he's not being weird. Uh, he's, just, he's actually like listening to the sound and making changes because he, he does it from the iPad. But Wesley's actually um, part of Living Hope Community Church, which meets here Sunday mornings. But he also hangs out with us, you know, fairly regularly as well, which we love, we appreciate. But um, last year he, he emailed me and because um, I'd said something about Halloween in one of my messages. And so um, he said, hey, I need to, he talked about how he got delivered out of witchcraft. And so I sat down with him for lunch and he shared his testimony. I was like, I want to hear more of your testimony. So I'm going to have Wes uh, just share his testimony of salvation and deliverance out of witchcraft and out of the occult and all that. So, all right, Mr. Wes. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Kurt. <laughs> Whom the sun set free is free indeed. Amen. So I, w- I was thinking this is kind of a special year. Um, tonight, 29 years ago, I had plans. <laughs> and, and that plan was to seal a coven of witches on October 31st. We call this Samhain, was the holiday that we celebrated, and it was the most important holiday of the year. God had other plans. Amen? (laughs) When I was 14 years old, I was just thinking back, and, you know, I, I had always longed and yearned to see, to experience the supernatural, to feel and taste and touch and hear and to understand and perceive that the supernatural was a real thing. I grew up in the deep south and I never saw the church display that to me, that God was powerful, that he was able to encounter me in that way. Um, I had, I had gotten into kind of the new age and crystals and, and, and experimented there and, and, and started to see some of the power there available. But I didn't really, I knew there was more. And I was away at a band camp when I was 14 years old. And um, we started playing with um, kind of like a Ouija board. And, and, and I kept asking for an experience. I kept asking for something tangible. And it got very eerie in that place. And all of a sudden, the lights went completely out. And I was slammed in the face, and it broke my nose. And the lights came back on, and there was nobody around me. And I was fascinated. You know, I was terrified, but I was fascinated because it was real. And I knew that there was a reality behind it. And my quest from that point forward 
was to harness that because I wanted that. <laughs> I didn't know where to start. I really didn't, and I cried out for a teacher. I, I, I wanted to pursue that path, but I didn't know how to. And I met a, a, a girl that was my age, and I asked her, uh, well, we, we had gotten to talking about the supernatural, and she's like, my family's generational, my family celebrates generational witchcraft. So each of them were basically, they were brought up in a tradition of, of witchcraft. Um, she was not old enough to join the coven yet that her family belonged to, but she was able to start to introduce me into this place. She was start, able to start showing me what she learned from her family with an understanding of that. Um, that went so far, but I wanted more. There was a quest inside of me. There was a God-shaped hole. There was a supernatural-shaped hole inside me that I think God creates inside of each one of us. That we want to we want to put things into that place to fill that place up. Well, <laughs> I was dating a, a, a girl the following year, and we were attending a Unitarian Universalist church. And a guy stood up in the end of the church service, and he said, you know, my name's Steve, and we're starting a witch's coven under the auspices of the Unitarian Universalist Church. If anybody's interested, just come see me after. So that started a journey for me into a very, very dark place. So I started to see and experience and walk in the supernatural, to walk in and understand what the supernatural looked like. Um, we would use drugs and various other meditation methods to start to blur the lines of seeing with my physical eyes into the supernatural realm. And as that started to come down, there were spirit guides, and we would travel in the spirit astrally. Um, and I was fascinated. But I wanted more. This wasn't enough. And there was only one basic rule of, of intent of that religion, and it was to do whatever you want to do, just don't harm anybody. <laughs> And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skipping through because I don't want to glorify any of this, but I want you to understand where I was. Because each step of the way, it costs you something. It requires something of you because that's the nature of Lucifer. It always costs you something. <laughs> we were at a weird celebration one night. And... Um, I met a girl there that did everything opposite to what I was taught. You were taught to do things in a certain order, in a certain way, and to respect those boundaries. But she did everything completely the opposite. And I didn't know what this looked like, but I knew, watching her life, that she had tapped a power far, far deeper than anything that I'd experienced before.
And we started gathering and we started sacrificing and we started doing things that I could never see myself doing. And you know, I think to fill that God-shaped hole, all of a sudden I was having to put things inside of that that I wouldn't have otherwise. And to unsee what I had seen, I started into drugs, into alcohol, more and more and more, just to numb that place. Because I had become somebody different than who I was. We continued into this place. And I, the new rule was not do what you will, but harm none. It was just do what you will. Didn't matter who you harmed. It was about me. It was about my quest. It was about my understanding of how the supernatural worked. It was about me doing what I wanted to do and experience what I wanted to experience. It came to the point that we began to prepare. And it was funny because as we began to lay out this coven of, of who we were becoming, people started to show up and go, I don't know what's going on, but I want to be part of it. So more and more people started showing up until we had the correct number of people, and then they stopped. And we, we began almost a year-long process of preparing to seal and to to seal this coven that would have happened on Halloween night 29 years ago. <laughs> I had invited the demonic inside of me in order to gain power that I gained. The more that I sacrificed, the more powerful the demon within me, the more access he had to me, you know, and there was, there, was not an, there was an illusion that I was in control this entire time, that I had the power, that this, this demon did my bidding. <laughs> we had been preparing uh, several weeks prior to Halloween. And October 25th of 1992... I was sitting in my high priestess's house, and we were meditating, and I, I, I have an open vision, and I'm, I'm driving in my car, and I'm pulling into Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I'd never been there. I'm pulling into the country club apartments, and I'd never been there. My sister had moved to Spartanburg to take a job there um, just several months prior. And I looked at, at my high priestess and I was like, listen, I got I to gotta go. There's, there's a spiritually significant reason. There's somebody that I need to meet before we seal this coven. And I didn't know who it was or why it was, but I just knew with everything inside of me that I needed to be there. And I got home that morning. It was about 3, 3.30 in the morning. And my phone was ringing. And I answered the phone. It was my sister on the phone. (laughs) 
She said, I need you to come to Spartanburg. I was like, done. <laughs> so she's like, I want you to go to church with me. I was like, I don't have a problem with that. I'll go to church with you. Then after the service, I'll ditch out and go meet who I need to meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got there. Went to a church service unlike anything I'd ever seen before. There's a prophet there from South Africa. And this guy started preaching and I started getting nervous. <laughs> the demon inside of me started getting nervous. Um, all I wanted to do was go. I was like... I don't need this. I don't, I don't need to be in here. I don't need to be part of this. But it was almost like I was stuck to that seat. It's almost like I was going to hear what he had to say, and then I'd make it a choice or a decision. And I didn't even know what I was at that place at that point. But, you know, finally this guy, after two hours of preaching, <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> two hours. He finishes, and I'm like, let's go. <laughs> She's like, no, he's going to pray for people. I was like, no, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I don't want to be here. So I agreed, you know, what you do for your siblings. So I sat there, and this man started calling people out of that crowd. There was about 3,000 people there that night. And people started getting set free. People started getting set free. And I'm sitting here watching it from the back going, what are these demons doing? What is this? And the demon inside of me trembled. And he never trembled. He'd submitted when I'd come to someone that had a demon more powerful than he inside of me. He would respect and bow to that, but he never trembled. He started calling people out of witchcraft in that room. And I'm watching these people walk down the aisle going, you are giving up everything, all power, that's ever given you anything. How could you do that? And I'm just sitting here with this internal dialogue in my head. And he looked straight at me. He was like, no, no, there's another one. There's a young man and you need to come down here before Halloween night. And I broke. I broke. There was an undeniable understanding. As I went forward, broken, and my sister pretty much carrying me down the aisle, that Jesus Christ was the creator, <laughs> that God Almighty was the creator and there was none more powerful than he. None. I broke. 
And God delivered me that night and set me free. (laughs) Now it's funny because all of a sudden everything that I knew and understood about the way that the world and the kingdom of the world worked was thrown on its head. It was an upside-down kingdom that I didn't get. There was a peace and a joy that I had never experienced before. But I had no place else to go. (laughs) I lived with a coven of witches. I ate with them. I did life with them. I worshiped with them. They were everything. And all of a sudden... I'm living in an upside-down kingdom that doesn't make any sense at all. But I knew that I knew that I knew there was no going back to that. That Jesus had paid the price. That he had died for my sins. I couldn't deny that. There was no turning back from that. And Halloween Day, 29 years ago, I was at a Petra concert (laughs) worshiping Jesus. And it's been a journey. And it's not been an easy journey, but it's been a good journey. God's good. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. God is awesome. God is so good. Let's just, I want to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to continue to move as we go to this message and ministry. Father, I thank you so much, God, that you are the king, that you are the creator, that you are the Lord, but I thank you that you are so personal. You are so personal, God. And just like in that testimony, Lord, you are so personal, how you drew West to yourself, how you spoke to him, how you called him out of a crowd, Lord, of 3,000. You are so personal. And so I thank you, God. We honor you. Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings. Father, I ask right now in this time, your kingdom come in this place in Jesus' name. Father, I ask for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Lord, in our midst, Lord. God, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit that sets captives free to be released right now in this place in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come. God, I ask you to send your armies of angels on assignment, Father, to be in this place and around this place, God. I thank you for freedom tonight. I thank you that today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of deliverance. And so, God, I pray that your word would come with power, with authority, with the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that you would walk among us, that you would minister, that you'd bring freedom, revelation of who you are, of you yourself. Reveal yourself, God, and draw us closer to you tonight. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. Amen. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Turn to Acts, the book of Acts. It's in the New Testament, right after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. We're going to be in chapter 8 for a little bit. I'm going to um, preach a little bit. I'm going to teach a little bit, and then we're going to go into some deliverance ministry. You know, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. Um, 
Preaching is more proclaiming, declaring. Uh, teaching is more explaining. But Acts chapter 8, I felt led to this a couple days ago. Uh, and really what Wes shared is just ties right into this scripture, this passage, and uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight. That's why I wanted him to share his, his testimony. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 4. In the context, this is in the early church when persecution was just starting to ramp up. Right, So Saul of Tarsus, who we know later became the Apostle Paul after his conversion, but he, had, uh, he was involved in the first martyr. Uh, Stephen was martyred. He was killed for his faith. And then a, a persecution broke out, began to break out against the church of Jesus. It was kind of the strongest form of persecution yet up until that point. And so verse 4, it says, Those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So I just want to pause for a second there. I want you to notice something. What the enemy meant for harm, God brought for good. Right? What the enemy meant for harm, what the enemy meant to intimidate, what the enemy meant to, to try to stifle, to try to stop what God was doing, the advancement of God's kingdom, actually turned into the fulfillment of what Jesus had told his church to do. Jesus had told his church in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses of me in uh, J- uh, Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Up until that point, they had stayed in Jerusalem and Judea. They had stayed locally. They had not gone out to these other regions. Now because of this persecution, they're scattering. But what do they do? They preach the word. They keep preaching the word everywhere they go. It says Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Notice those two elements, hearing and seeing. It reminds me of what Wes just shared. He heard the message. He saw the demonstration of power of people being set free. That's how the gospel is meant to be presented. Preaching with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now notice in verse 7. I want you to notice the miracles that are described. And notice the first miracle he says. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud, out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. There was great joy in that city. Now it just continues on here. It gets even more interesting. We get more details, more information about the background, about this culture, about this city in Samaria. It said there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery, which means magic arts, occultic arts. He practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. To whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. 
Simon himself also believed when he, when he was baptized. He continued with Philip, was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now it, it kind of continues on there and um, it goes on. Then, you know, uh, Peter and James, other apostles, I mean, sorry, Peter and John, they, they come to the area because they hear there's a revival happening in Samaria. They've, they've received the word of God. And so Peter and John get there and they pray that people be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there's this encounter with Simon. It, for me, it calls into question his conversion. Was it a real conversion because of you know, how Peter confronted him and all this stuff. But what I want to focus on, what I want you to notice here is that this presents a, a supernatural showdown. When you, when you look at the context that Peter went into, I mean, sorry, that Philip went into, Philip, when he goes into Samaria, it said that there was a person, a man named Simon, who was basically spiritually controlling the entire region. He basically had spiritual power, spiritual control over the population and noticed why they listened to him. Notice why they paid attention. It says they heeded him because they were astonished at his sorceries. In other words, because of supernatural power. He was operating in supernatural power. He was operating in some sort of magic art, some sort of witchcraft, some sort of occultic powers that were real, meaning that there was real power involved. Now the source was from the kingdom of darkness, from the demonic realm, but it was actually, he was actually able to perform certain supernatural acts and had certain supernatural abilities. And so this whole territory is under the spiritual control, uh, you know, almost like hypnotized by this, by this Simon who's, who's kind of, and notice, notice the nature of Simon's message compared to the nature of Philip's message, right? What did Simon say? Simon preached Simon. Simon preached Simon, right? It says, claiming to be someone great. And so all the people, what was the result? They worshiped Simon. This man must be the great power of God. See, that's what the occult presents is you become your own God. You become the, the one who receives the worship. That's the devil's after worship. The worship that belongs to the one true living God. But, but here Simon was, and he preached himself. He preached his own greatness. He preached what he could do. Look at my power. Look what I have. And then it says, when Philip came, he preached Christ. Very simple. It says, he preached Christ to them. Philip's message was Jesus. Simon's message was self. And then later it says that Philip preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. So he preached the kingdom of God. He preached the person of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is. But I want you to understand, it says that the people listened both to Philip and to Simon based on the supernatural based on the supernatural power that was operating. Because again, in verse 6, it says, The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. This was a supernatural showdown. This reminds me of... In the book of Exodus, I think it's somewhere around, I think it's in chapter 9. This reminds me of another time where there was a supernatural showdown in Scripture. It was when Moses and Aaron, you know, they stand before Pharaoh and they have Aaron's rod. And they throw Aaron's rod down and it turns into a serpent. Now that's pretty impressive. 
What would you think if I dropped this microphone on the floor and it turned into a dog? I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, he, they have a stick, right? They have a rod, they have a, a staff. And now Moses and Aaron were commissioned by God Almighty. Moses and Aaron were sent by the one true living God. They were authorized by God. They were operating in the power and the authority of the one true living God. And he had given them this sign. You know, when you go see Pharaoh, throw this down. It'll be a sign to them. So they throw down the rod. It becomes a snake. And what does Pharaoh do? He's like, eh, let me get my magicians. So he calls his own sorcerers. Those who are practicing dark arts, magic arts, occultic works. He calls his magicians, his sorcerers, and they do the same thing. They literally threw their stick on the ground. Now, I didn't say how they did it. They said through their enchantment. So they used a different method. They used demonic power, occultic, but the same miracle, the same supernatural act was performed by both sides. But then you notice what happens. It says the rod of Aaron swallowed up the rods of the magicians of Egypt. The rod of Aaron swallowed up. Listen to me. This is exactly what happened to Philip, right? Philip comes in demonstrating the power of the one true living God and it swallows up the magician's rod. Because all of a sudden, all these people that are listening to him and following him, all of a sudden, there's somebody else that's carrying a power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the name of Jesus. And they're seeing demons kicked out. They're seeing demons cast out. They're seeing healings. They're seeing people paralyzed, be, be, be made whole again. They're like, we, what is this? And, and the power of God overwhelmed the power of darkness. How many know we need to recover Aaron's rod today? We need a recovery of Aaron's rod, of the authority of the name of Jesus, of the power of the Holy Spirit to swallow up the kingdom of darkness in our land today. We have settled for a Christianity without the supernatural. We have settled for a Christianity without the power of the Holy Spirit. We've settled for a Christianity that maybe is intellectual. It's all in our mind. It's all about beliefs, about doctrines. About Now listen, I'm not against the mind. And I'm not against correct doctrine, but we've settled for a Christianity that's only intellectual. And let me tell you something, your relationship with God is not meant to be only intellectual. Or maybe we've settled for a Christianity that's only emotional. It only just, it stirs our emotions, it stirs our hearts, but there's no true transformation, there's no true power, there's no true living um, in, in, in the reality of the relationship with God. We've settled for, for church without God. And without his power. And so see what happens is when there is a void in the spiritual realm, it's going to get filled by something. It's going to get filled by something. And because there's been such a void in, in much of the Western church, we're seeing a rise of occultic activity. We're seeing a rise of demonic activity. We're seeing a rise of, of occultic and witchcraft and stuff becoming more and more embraced mainstream. And instead of cursing the darkness, we need to be the light. Instead of cursing the darkness, we need to pick up Aaron's rod and begin to walk in more of the power of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the kingdom of God. See, it's like, it was like a supernatural showdown, a clash of kingdoms that happened. And it, it teaches us something. 
God is supernatural, but not all supernatural is God. See, we serve a God who moves in the supernatural. We serve a God who does miracles. We serve a God who gives us gifts of the Holy Spirit that we embrace and we believe in, whether that's speaking in tongues, whether that's healings or, or, or the miraculous, right? But not everything supernatural comes from God. Simon had true power. It was counterfeit from a wrong source. See, there's only two sources of supernatural power in the world. The one true living God by his Holy Spirit or the counterfeit that comes from the kingdom of darkness, the demonic realm. And both can release something supernatural. So there's a need, I believe, in the church to recover our supernatural heritage. There is a need to restore our supernatural heritage. You will not find any type of church in the New Testament except for a church that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have the seeker-sensitive church in the New Testament. They didn't have the church that didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. That church didn't exist. There's only one church that existed in the, in, the, in the scriptures. And it was a church that was infused with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And we have no right to change God's ways. We have no right to change God's methods and the way God moves. Yeah, you can, you can clap your hands for that. Amen. You can clap an amen. Come on. I told you I was going to preach for a few minutes. I told you I was going to preach for a little bit here. See, we have to recover our supernatural heritage. We cannot be ashamed to embrace the supernatural. We can't be ashamed. Now, listen, the scripture also gives order and, and gives, you know, again, foundations. And I'm not talking about running after the supernatural and leaving behind the word of God. I'm not talking about running after the supernatural and not having order and having foundations, right? So I want to be clear on that. But so, but so often what we've done is we've swung the pendulum and we say, well, I don't want to get into this stuff because it's a little bit messy. I don't want to you know, embrace you know, tongues or prophecy. You know, some people might think it's weird. Yeah, people might think it's weird. Who cares? <laughs> we can teach. We can explain. We can, we, can, we can share the biblical foundation for it. We can, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like with deliverance, right? You know, we, we, we have an emphasis of deliverance here. And I'm, I'm always shocked that there are believers, that fo followers of Jesus that think deliverance is weird. Like, how can you be a follower of Jesus? Like, read the Gospels. Like, read Matthew, Mark. Like, read Luke. Like, like read the God. Like, what, he was doing this all the time. Like, he was casting out demons left and right. Like, we follow him, don't we? Right, we follow him. It was the first thing that he became well known for was his authority over demons. You can read it in Mark chapter 1 when he was in the synagogue and he cast a demon out. It said, then his fame spread through all the surrounding regions. That's when Jesus went viral. When he cast out the demon in the synagogue, that's literally when Jesus went viral. 
That's when everybody started telling their friends. That's when this person told that person. And by that evening, all the crowds of the surrounding cities were gathered together. He was healing them. He was setting them free. See, we don't need to be ashamed of this. We don't need to be ashamed of the fact that we believe in deliverance and we cast out demons. Let's do it with the right heart. Let's do it with compassion. Let's do it in a healthy way. Let's do it with biblical foundations. But we cannot distance ourselves from this. Because I'm telling you, this generation needs the power of God like no other generation. This generation needs a, 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 the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This generation doesn't need another polished church service. It, it doesn't need another program. It doesn't need another concert. It doesn't need another light show. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just telling you, this generation needs the power of God. It needs to be set free. You know, when you, have, when you have students and, you know, young, young students, they're bound by so much confusion and perversion. They're into pornography. They're, they're into this. They're into that. They're getting into witchcraft. They're getting into all kinds of stuff. They, they don't need a nice show. They need the real thing. And so when somebody says, well, you know, what if somebody gets offended? You, you know, do deliverance. I'm like, what if somebody gets free? What if somebody gets free? Again, you notice the first sign in Philip's ministry. It's called a miracle, by the way. The miracles which he did for unclean spirits came out of many. The first sign. Maybe it's a little messier. Maybe church is meant to be a little messier. Maybe church from God's perspective looks different than our perspective. So this whole topic of deliverance, and I'm now going to switch into teacher mode in a minute um, and start teaching about freedom from the occult specifically. What is the occult? What does that mean? I want to emphasize that tonight. Um, but, but I just, this is so relevant for today, the whole topic of deliverance. God's bringing it more and more to the forefront. And we've seen people set free from every type of torment and bondage and oppression, addictions, enslavements to sexual sin or pornography, anxiety and fear, depression, mental torment, suicide, death, infirmity. All, these are all things that people all around us are wrestling with and dealing with. And God's given us one, one key. It's not the only thing. But it's, it's, a, it's one thing that the church can use in our arsenal to help set people free. So we can't afford to ignore this topic any, any longer. So I want to talk specifically now about deliverance from the occult. You know, in, in, the, in the passage there in Acts 8, right, there was one person, Simon, who was, who was um, an occultist. He was a sorcerer. He was operating in magic arts. And so I want to give a little bit of definition to that, a little bit more. What does that word even mean? And what was he doing? And all those kind of things. So I want, um, I want just going to teach on this a little bit. So the word occult, O-C-C-U-L-T, it's different than just the word cult, C-U-L-T. There's relationship, but it's two different words. The word occult, it actually means hidden or secret arts. It means hidden or secret arts. There's like this sense of 
mystery shrouding it. Like you have to, you know, to kind of get on the inside to know more. Kind of like as Wes shared his testimony, like the deeper he got in, the more he found out from this person or that person, or you get involved in a witch's coven. It's almost like you get this sense of like, you know something that other people don't know. Like you have this power that other people don't have. It's, it's kind of a, it, it, it does feed kind of a self-like exaltation. Like, wow, this is, I had this secret. So there's a secrecy. There's a darkness that kind of shrouds this whole topic because the word actually means hidden or secret arts. To take the definition a little bit further, gaining supernatural knowledge or power or influence through the demonic realm, through the kingdom of darkness. That's another way to describe what the occult is. It's any attempt to gain supernatural knowledge, information, power, influence, control, favor, whatever it is, through the kingdom of darkness, whether you realize that's what you're doing or not. Whether you realize that you're doing it or not, because some people get involved with the occult, but they don't really realize how dark it is. They don't realize what they're actually getting into. And there's so many branches. I'm going to touch on several tonight. You know, but sometimes people, just like Wes said, he was hungry just for something more. He knew there was something more. There's something inside of humanity that wants to reach for the supernatural, not always realizing that it's actually reaching for God himself, our creator. There's something inside of us that says there's more to this world than just this flesh and blood. There's something inside of us that, that drives us to want to seek out something beyond ourselves. And so some people just, you know, they're just out of curiosity or just out of, man, I'm just hungry. I, I want to I I know more. I want to I find out you know, what is supernatural and what's the spiritual world. Or maybe it's just, you know, self-help or I just want to get better at this or better at that. There's so many reasons why some people might delve into this. Some people might be in their family line. It might, you know, their grandparents and their parents and others, right? It just kind of like passes down through the generational line. Some people just don't even realize that there's darkness connected to certain practices or, well, I'm just, you know, I'm at a fair and I'm going to get my fortune told because it's just kind of fun. You know, there's, what's, what's, what's the harm in just, you know, seeing a fortune teller? Or I'm just out of curiosity. I'm going to call the psychic hotline because, you know, I just, I'm curious to see what they say. Right? Or, or astrology. Again, we could name so many things. Another way to describe the occult would be contact with the spiritual world through forbidden means and or practices. Forbidden by God. Forbidden in Scripture. So I want to read uh, Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14, because it gives one of the longest exhaustive lists in Scripture that of, of, of what the occult is. Deuteronomy 18. This is when Moses is giving the law to the people of Israel. And he's giving them a call to holiness, to be separate from the cultures around them, from the nations around them. Deuteronomy chapter 9 is in the Old Testament, fifth book there. He says this, when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. 
Notice he starts with child sacrifice. See, the false gods of that time and the false gods of today, Satan has always demanded innocent blood. Satan has always demanded innocent blood. The false gods and the idols of, of the nations around them, they would sacrifice their children. And I said this in, in August when I preached on the sanctity of life. You know, we have this progressive society. We say, oh, we would never do that. We've so evolved beyond that. It's the exact thing we're doing with abortion. It's just a sanitized version. There's a reason that, that cities that have a high occult rate have a high abortion rate. So he starts with child sacrifice because he wants to give, as he's giving this list, he wants to show you how dark this is. So he starts with that and then he goes on and he says, one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist. Or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Are you catching this? He's saying this is actually one of the reasons why these people are losing possession of their land. This is one of the reasons, because of their child sacrifice, because of their occultic work, because of their spiritism and their witchcraft. He said, this is one of the reasons why they're being dispossessed from the land. And so he's saying, when you go into that land, don't copy those practices. Don't do the same things they were doing. Because that's the reason why they lost the land. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God, for these nations which you dispossess, will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed such for you. Now there's a lot of places in scripture that talk about the occult. This is one, I, I use, again, I chose this one because it's like a clear list, like a, uh, like a, not fully exhaustive, but a pretty exhaustive list of multiple different types of categories. But all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we get this clear picture from God, this clear calling, um, this word from God, that any contact with the supernatural realm outside of the one true living God is forbidden. See, here's the truth. There's only one safe way into the supernatural, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. See, again, God's not anti-supernatural. He is supernatural. But he's saying, here's the only way. It's a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit. And then we, we embrace that supernatural. We embrace those gifts. We embrace the moving of God that way. We should expect God to do supernatural things. We should be shocked we don't see more of it. When we read the, the Bible, when we read the Gospels, when we read the book of Acts, Right, so there's, there's only, that's the only safe way into the supernatural realm. Any other way into the supernatural is forbidden. And it crosses us into a territory where we're never meant to be. And what that does is it begins to open us up to demonic influence. When we contact with the occult, we are literally welcoming demons into our life. Whether we know it or not. You know, I've, I've ministered to people in deliverance for 16, over 16 years now. And so I've had a lot of different experiences and seen a lot, a lot of different things. And when it comes to this whole area of the cult, 
I've seen the whole range. I've seen some people that just, you know, hey, when I was a teenager, I just dabbled with my friends with a Ouija board. We were trying to play around and just kind of see if you guys know what a Ouija board is. It's a game, quote unquote game, where you're, you know, moving things on a board, trying to contact the spiritual realm, trying to get information, and, right? And it was like marketed as like a game. Well, you know, and so things like that it opened up a door to demonic influence, opened up a door to spirits of witchcraft or, or occult or darkness or heaviness, depression. So I've seen that where people are just kind of dabbling and just playing around and just thinking, oh, I'm just messing for fun. I've seen that all the way to the extremes where people would get fully, fully involved in a deep way. I ministered to one young lady who spent two years in a coven, in a witchcraft coven. That's a group of witches. And she spent two years in that. And then her mom actually introduced her to it. Her parents were divorced. She started going with her mom. She was, being, she was part of this coven for two years. She eventually, she eventually moved uh, away from her mom and lived with her dad. Her dad became a believer. She started going to church. She, she accepted the Lord. She became saved. But there was still a demonic torment that was in her mind from the open door that had happened. So she needed deliverance. See, God never intended salvation without deliverance. See, God never intended that we could just get forgiven but not set free. He didn't intend us for our sins to be washed away, but for us to go the rest of our lives in demonic torment and demonic oppression. And so she had received salvation. She knew Jesus as Savior. She didn't know him as Deliverer. And so somebody connected me. This is years ago. I sat down. Me and another young lady prayed for her. And she was every time a demon would come to the surface, her whole countenance would change. It would manifest. And then it would come out of her. And her face would go back to normal. And she received deliverance from multiple demons. But for her, it was a much more deeply involvement in, in the occult realm. It's so fascinating to me that these same types of spiritual practices have been going on for thousands of years. In every culture, like every nation, every culture has their version of this, these practices, right? I mean, the, the book of Deuteronomy was written like what, five or 6,000 years ago, thousands of years ago. And he's talking about these practices, witchcraft, soothsaying, fortune telling, divination, conjuring spells, contacting the dead. Then, two th then five or I don't know how many thousand years later, Philip is in Samaria, thousands of years later, and it's, it's still there in Samaria. It's still there. Now here we are 2,000 years later, and it's still here. And every culture has its own version. If you go to Haiti, they'll call it voodoo. If you go to South America, Santeria, or other names, depending on what part of the country. If you go to Africa, you know, it's a witch doctor, witch, witchcraft and witch doctors. Native American, shamanism. But it's all the same types of practices, the same types of spirit. Why? Because it's spiritual. These are spiritual practices. So I want to go through defining some of these, and then we're going to go to a ministry time a little bit uh, later. I want to kind of define what some of these things are, because maybe you're like, well, I don't know if I've ever done any of these things or not. So many people have opened the door without realizing it into some of these things. So let's go through some of these. Um, this is not going to be an exhaustive teaching on the occult. There could be hours and hours. Hey, that prophet from South Africa preached for two hours. <laughs> kind of like, uh, I don't know, I shouldn't know. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach for two hours. We're going we're gonna to get into some ministry before that, for sure. But um, 
But there's lots of hours and hours of teaching you could do. There's books that are written. There's all kinds of stuff. This is going to be just kind of an overview. So one category, and by the way, there's overlap in these categories. I'm just doing this to help bring some, some definition. One category is witchcraft. Okay? That was one of the ones, it was one of the first ones he mentioned in Deuteronomy 18. He said, one who practices witchcraft. Okay, so the essence of witchcraft is to seek to control circumstances and people through spiritual power. The essence of witchcraft is control. Witchcraft is the counterfeit to authority. Witchcraft is the counterfeit to godly authority. It's seeking to control other people, other circumstances through spiritual power. Now, the spirit of witchcraft can work in subtle ways. Through manipulation, intimidation, guilt, domination, passive aggressive, you know, manipulation. And like, that's like a subtle way that the spirit of witchcraft can be operating. Uh, and a person might not even be involved in actual practice of witchcraft. But there could be those types of things operating through them where they, they have a need to control others. They have a need to manipulate, to dominate, to oppress and just need to control things to make them what they want. See, we're not ever meant to be controlled by other people. Our will, God doesn't control your will. We are supposed to yield our will to him. Because God wants a real relationship. And there's love involved. Love demands freedom. And so sometimes people try to relate to other people through controlling them. And that's not even a real relationship. Unless the person is freely involved, right? So that's the subtle way. But then when people move into the overt practice of witchcraft, they use rituals, they use curses, they use spells, they use other methods and sacrifices. You heard some of the stuff Wes mentioned, right? They use different means to grow in their spiritual power, to grow in their ability to control, to grow in their ability to gain influence. Okay, so they, they use all types of different practices. And again, there's real demons involved. There's real spiritual power involved. It's just not from the kingdom of God. And the more you give of yourself, you know, the more you, there's always a cost. The devil loves to promise us something that we want if he can have something he wants, which is your soul. He wants your life. He wants your soul. He wants He's willing to give you something. He even told Jesus, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. I know why you came. You came for the nations. You came for the nations. You can't, I can give it to you and you can skip the cross. All you got to do is worship me, right? The devil's still making deals like that. By the way, he is. Related to witchcraft is Wicca, Satanism, voodoo, paganism, shamanism, santeria, similar activities. Again, there's Many more we could list. I'm just kind of putting these out there, right? There's a lot of them that are tied together, closely related. Let's go to another category, um, divination. Divination is specifically related to seeking to tell the future or gain secret information through spiritual means. This is a counterfeit of the gift of prophecy. It's a counterfeit of the gift of the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. All of this stuff is counterfeit to the true gifts of God, by the way. So there's a variety of ways that this could happen. Psychics, right? Trying to tap into psychic powers. Tarot card reading, palm reading, fortune telling. 
astrology, horoscopes. People read their horoscopes seeking for information from the stars. Do you know that's actually occultic? Do you know that's actually demonic? Do you know that's actually forbidden in scripture? Astrology, horoscopes, Ouija boards, tea leaf reading, mind reading. Again, the list could go on and on. I'm just throwing out some of the main categories, some of the main things. Another category is spiritism. Spiritism. That was mentioned in the Deuteronomy 18 passage, right? He said a spiritist. So what is spiritism? Spiritism is a broad word that refers to seeking contact with the spiritual realm. Some of the primary examples would be those who seek to act as a medium, which means trying to contact the dead, trying to contact you know, dead relatives or dead people, that, famous people that passed away. We're going to try to channel. We're going to try to, you know, there's whole TV shows about this, the, the people that try to do these kind of things. Or having a spirit guide. Having a spirit guide where, again, this is just the counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the only spirit guide I want in my life. Jesus said he'll guide you into all truth. Right? This is just a counterfeit where, where you know, this spirit's going to, quote, unquote, help me become famous. He's going to help me be creative. He's going to help me in my art. There's musicians that do this. There's artists that do this. There's singers who do this. There's actors who do this. They talk about it openly now. They talk, about it. they talk about the spirit that comes to them when they're performing what they're doing, when they're singing their songs. And Christians, you know, think it's legalistic if you, if you distance yourself from entertainment like that. Oh, don't be legalistic. Oh, don't, don't get me started. It's not legalism. It's love when you, are, when you pursue holiness. When you say, you know what? I'm not going to allow these things that God says is an abomination. Why would I let myself be entertained by them? Why would I let myself be entertained by things that are literally inspired by demons? Oh, you're being, no, I'm not being over the top. This is real life. This is real things happening. And too many believers in the Western culture are numb to it, are neutralized. See, the enemy just wants to neutralize you. And you get numb spiritually. You get desensitized spiritually. Other, th- other types of things with spiritism. Seances, right? Conducting a, a seance where a group of people, you know, they're trying to, again, contact the spirits and have connection with the spiritual realm. Astral projection, which is when your spirit is leaving your body and you're traveling spiritually. Can people actually do that? Yes. Absolutely, it happens. Channeling, automatic writing, where you just kind of give yourself and you write whatever, you know, you're inspired by a spirit to just automatic, you know, automatic handwriting. It's, again, all, all, all types of things. Let's keep going, trying to, be, trying to move quickly. Another whole category is sorcery. We saw that in Acts 8, where it says Simon was a sorcerer. We saw that listed in Deuteronomy 18 where he said sorcery, someone who's a sorcerer. What is sorcery? Uh, again, it's certainly going to have some similarities and overlap between some of these other ones. Okay, um, But really sorcery has to do with using different means and methods to impact the physical senses with spiritual power. So these methods can be spells, magic, various types of drugs. 
That try to, you know, you try to open yourself up to more of the spiritual realm through drugs, through types of music, uh, through potions, through charms, through incantations, different types of practices. That's sorcery, magic arts. Then we have this whole other category called New Age. What is the New Age? The New Age is the occult packaged as an angel of light. That's basically what it is. It's, 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 the, it's all these occultic type practices presented in a very sanitized, loving way that makes it look so good. That makes it look like it's... And, and, and here's the thing. Again, many people go into the new age and they're not like trying to be evil people. They're not like going after darkness or going after witch stuff or curses. Like they just think this is going to help me. This is going to help me get healed. This is going to help me be a healer for others. This is going to help me walk in peace. Those are all good things. See, if the devil cannot get you to pursue an illegitimate end, he'll get you to pursue a legitimate end through an illegitimate means. Does that make sense? Does that, do you catch it? If the devil cannot get you to pursue an illegitimate end, an end in itself that's automatically evil, like murder, it's always wrong, it's always evil, murder, stealing, whatever, witchcraft, sorcery, it's, a, it's a, an illegitimate end. If he can't get you to pursue something overtly wrong, he'll, he'll say, well, pursue peace. Just do it this way. Peace is a good thing. We're supposed to walk in peace. Healing is great. Wanting to walk in health, wanting to walk in healing. Yeah, but he, so he presents ways to get there that are not God's ways, that are illegitimate ways. And the New Age is the perfect example of that, okay? So the New Age movement, it's a mixture of various types of religious philosophies and spiritual or occultic practices. Uh, it's often mixed in with like Buddhism. It's often mixed in with like Hinduism. Those different types of Eastern religions often get mixed into New Age type practices. All right, so some of the activities associated with New Age movement are uh, Eastern or transcendental meditation. Okay, this is the counterfeit, right? Of It says to meditate on God's word. We're supposed to meditate on God's word. Well, this is the counterfeit where you empty your mind out through repetitive words and you're trying to just... Open yourself up to whatever might want to come in. Okay, you open the door, guess what? Something's going to come in. It's not going to be a good thing. Transcendental method, Reiki healing, like counterfeit healing practices. Counterfeit to the laying on of hands where it's, I want to manipulate energy and life force and chi and chi and all, I don't know if I'm saying these things right. Okay, but, but those types of practices, spirit guides, crystal healing, hypnotism, guided imagery, okay, those are all different types of New Age type philosophies. And again, the list could go on and on. Okay, the last one I'll mention, the last category, secret societies or cults. Okay, secret societies are groups that require members to go through initiation rituals and oaths in order to advance through various stages or degrees. Okay, this is also true of many satanic groups, witchcraft groups. You have to go through certain stages of initiation rituals in order to advance in this system. Okay, so one of the main examples is Freemasonry. Okay, Freemasonry is very, pretty prominent in this Pennsylvania region. 
Okay, they're not Masons and they're not free. So I don't know why they're called Freemasons. But Freemasonry is a secret society. It's a brotherhood where the deeper you get in, the darker it gets. The more rituals you're, you're doing, the more oaths you're taking, the more you're giving yourself over. And you don't even know what you're thinking. Some people think, oh, it's just Christian or it's kind, it's kind of just a nice brotherhood. I mean, they, they do charity. They do nice things, right? No, no, it's actually Satanism in disguise. It's like the worship of the devil. The deeper you get in, the higher levels you get, you, you realize what, what's happening. By that time, it's too late. You're in. You're hooked. You're you're bound. And you, you take some very dark, sick types of oaths. I've led people through renouncing the types of oaths that people take on themselves and on their children in future generations. They take these oaths of giving over their children. It's, again, very dark stuff. Okay, so Freemasonry, it's a worldwide organization. There's a female counterpart to that called Eastern Star. There's, again, different branches of these, but these are some of the main ones. Okay, a lot of the uh, satanic cults and, and others are, would be in this category of secret societies. Then you have cults that are kind of similar, like uh, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Scientology, Christian Science. Again, Christian Science, not Christian, not scientists. I don't know where these names come from. But um, anyways, cults, satanic groups, secret societies. I've seen people get delivered from demonic influence just because they started the initiation process of being a Freemason. I mean, they just went to the first meeting. They had the member's card. They had the, you know, one guy was driving in the car, listening to my message on breaking generational curses. He started to go into deliverance right on the road. He started seeing a demon, you know, on his windshield. He'd never heard of deliverance. A friend just shared with him my sermon, said, listen to this sermon. He's going through deliverance on, you know, some major highway in Texas. And he remembered as I was teaching on generational curses that his dad was a Freemason. His dad took him to the initiation. He still had a membership card. He's going, he's getting radically delivered in his car as I'm leading through the prayer of deliverance on the message. So this is not the kind of stuff that we want to play with. Let's, uh, Chad, if you could make your way up. It'll help me close. <laughs> Then we have, so those are all, again, not exhaustive, but a succinct list of a lot of these different categories of what it means, occultic type things. But then, you know what also we can see in our culture? We can see the occult and the new age just like beginning to permeate through our culture. You want proof of this? Just go to Barnes & Noble. Just go to Barnes & Noble. Look at the teenage section of Barnes & Noble. Look at the little kid section at Barnes & Noble. Look what's popular in entertainment, in music, in movies, video games, right? Just permeating. You see occultic, paranormal, all kind of stuff permeating the culture in entertainment, in books, and books to teach little kids how to do witchcraft or how to do whatever paranormal type stuff. You got alternative, you know, medical practices. Some of those where it's permeating in to that natural's great, right? Natural health and being, you know, good with your, you know, supplements and vitamins and 
you know, that's great, but, but then you, some, some of this influence can get into that, can just begin to permeate into that. Some, uh, some of the martial arts are, have a lot of this stuff involved in it. Yoga, dare I say it. Yoga, I mean, permeating our culture all over the place. Uh, it's Hinduism, by the way. That's what yoga is. That's actually what yoga is. It's actually Hinduism. It's actually a Hindu way of worshiping the gods in India. That's why it was started. The word yoga, you know what it means? Yoked. Yoked. Because the goal of yoga is to yoke you to the highest deities of Hinduism. So it's not legalistic to say, don't do Hindu practices. It's not legalistic to say, don't participate in demonic stuff. See, again, the devil works through deception. Let's just sneak it in. Let's just, let's just you know, put it in this way, that way. I, I, I know somebody close to my family that got delivered from uh, a demon related to yoga. She was involved. She, was, she had a radical deliverance that happened. My wife and I prayed for her. She was radically set free, lots of powerful stuff in her life. Uh, and then the next couple of days, she started feeling something, you know, going on in her. And she wondered, maybe there's more that's going to happen. And she said, I'm going to pray and just ask God, God, what is this? She said, God, what's going on here? Immediately heard the Lord say yoga. She was a yoga instructor. You know what she did? She immediately quit. She immediately renounced it. She called her boss. She said, I can't do this anymore. She can't see. That's, that's how we need to deal with spiritual practices that are not of God. Let's stand to our feet. That, that's how we need to deal with spiritual practices that are not of God. When it comes to dealing with the occult realm and, and these types of things, we need to make a clean break. We need to have a clean break. You know what they did in Acts chapter 19? It said those who had previously practiced sorcery, you know what they did? They took all their books, they took all their scrolls, and they made a big bonfire. They didn't, they didn't recycle them. They didn't say, well, somebody else can use this. They burned them. See, because that was a sign of complete renunciation. Because when we step into the enemy's territory, he makes claim of us. He says, well, you stepped foot into my domain, so now I have a right to have a hold of you in this area. And so he says, I have a legal right. I, I have a claim on your life. And the way to get free from it is to repent, meaning you turn away, you make a heart change and say, God, I am, I am repenting. This is idolatry. That's what the occult is, it's idolatry. It's worshiping gods that are not the living God. It's worshiping the power I was getting, the influence I was getting. It's, so it's repentance in our heart that says, God, I'm gonna make a complete turn on this. But then you know what else we do? We renounce it. We break every tie with it. Any items you have, any books you have, anything that connects you to any objects you have, any symbols you have, you burn them, you get rid of them, you remove them from your house. You do not hold on to them. You completely make a clean break, right? And you renounce the spirits involved because there are spirits connected to these things. And then the third thing is you rebuke, you, you cast them out. Repent, rebuke, I'm sorry, repent, renounce, rebuke. And it's not, I'm not saying it's like a formula, but those are some good steps. So we're gonna do that together right now. We're gonna, we're gonna go through a prayer of deliverance. And we're gonna focus, first of all, on this whole topic of deliverance from the occult. 
And then after we pray through it, I'm gonna pray corporately. I'll broaden the focus. I'll pray for other areas too. But I wanna zone in on this tonight because it's a good night to do that. Who's, anyone agree? Anyone ready? Okay, so I'm just gonna pray real quick. Father, I thank you right now for what you're gonna do in this room. I declare the power of the blood of Jesus Christ over this property, over the people, over the people watching on video. I declare the power of the blood of Jesus Christ as a protection over us. God, I thank you for your mighty warring angels around this place right now. And I declare a binding of every satanic interference or demonic operation be bound by the authority of Jesus' name. I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord right now, that there is no fear that's gonna take place, that there's no harm that's gonna come to anybody in this room. We declare that Satan is defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we say the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now in this place. And so by the power of the name of Jesus, I invite the Holy Spirit of God to move through this time, to fill this place, to fill our hearts, and to lead us through this prayer. Now I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. I want everyone in the room to pray through it. Some of this stuff might not, not be relevant. Maybe you've never dabbled in this stuff, but I want everyone to pray just so we can do it in unity, all together. If you're watching online, pray through this prayer. We've had many stories of people getting delivered while, while watching online. All right, so we're just gonna start by entering into God's presence together. I want you to say this, say, Heavenly Father, I come into your holy presence by the precious blood of Jesus. I worship and honor you as the one true living God. And I submit to Jesus Christ as my Lord. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon me, to lead me through this prayer, to bring deliverance to me in the name of Jesus. Surround me with your holy angels. Protect me from all harm. Lord Jesus Christ, I look to you as my only savior. I look to you as my healer. I look to you as my deliverer. And I believe that you came to this earth in the flesh. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I thank you for shedding your blood so that I could be saved, so that I could be redeemed from the kingdom of darkness, so that I could be forgiven and cleansed of all sin. You are my Lord and Savior. Now we're gonna, re we're gonna walk through to some repentance and renunciations. I'm gonna lead you through and then I'm gonna give you some space to fill it in personally. So if there's things you need to actually name and renounce in your own words, I'm gonna give you space to do that. But first, let's just say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I come into the light and I want every area of my life to be pleasing to you and in agreement with your word. I completely repent and turn away from all sin. And I completely repent of any way that I've been involved with the occult, 
or the new age or witchcraft or false religion or any other forbidden spiritual practices. I completely sever myself from all contact that I've ever had with the occult or with false religion or with new age beliefs and practices. I repent of the idolatry involved in these practices. I ask you to cleanse me from all spiritual defilement by the blood of Jesus. I repent for partaking in forbidden practices and for contacting the spiritual realm in unholy ways. I break any agreement I've made with the devil through my involvement in the occult, new age, and other forbidden spiritual practices. I ask you to release me from every curse associated with these. I completely break away from these practices and rid my life of everything having to do with them. I dedicate myself to you, God, to be a temple for the Holy Spirit and to live a holy life. In particular, I totally renounce. I'm gonna give you space as they're playing in the background. I want you to fill in the blanks. Just name those things. If it's witchcraft, if it's the stuff you dabbled in, books you read, just it might be big, it might be small. The Lord might bring other things to your mind, but take the next couple minutes and name those things specifically. And if there's any other areas of sin that God brings up, even outside of the occult realm, sexual sin or other types of sin, just begin to speak those out. We'll give you time to do that. seconds or so, just anything else the Lord brings to your mind, just to renounce it, just to release it, break all contact. Thank you, Jesus. And for some of you, it actually might be the generational influence through your family line where there's been actually a history in the past, maybe it was parents, maybe it was grandparents that were involved in witchcraft or secret societies. And so I wanna just real quickly address that as well, okay? The Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that Christ became a curse for us when he hung on the tree to redeem us from the curse of the law, to break every curse, including generational curses. So I want you to pray this out. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that on the cross, you became a curse for me, that I could be set free from every curse 
and receive God's blessing as a child of God. Because of your finished work, I ask you to set me free from every generational curse that's over my life. I renounce the sins of previous generations. I ask you to cleanse me from the effect of their iniquities. In particular, I renounce. Now, if you're aware of anything in your family's line of idolatry, of false religion, of witchcraft, occultism, just name it, just say, I renounce and just speak it out. I renounce the generational curse, just release it, just speak it out. I'm gonna give you a minute to do that. We're almost, we're almost through. You guys are doing amazing. been submitting to God and now we're going to resist the devil. The Bible says submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he'll flee. So I want you to say this out. Say, I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord. By the authority of Jesus' name, I command every unclean spirit associated with occult practices or with the new age or any other demonic spirit I command you to come out now go in the name of Jesus now I want you to lift your hands up to the Lord for a minute I'm going to begin to pray over the whole congregation Father I pray a release right now of the power of the Holy Spirit God to fall in this place upon every person under the sound of my voice God let the anointing that breaks the yoke fall in this place be released among us right now in the name of Jesus let the fire of the Holy Spirit fall God right now let it fall in this place by the authority of Jesus name I command every unclean spirit come out from the people now in Jesus name I command every demon come out now in the name of Jesus leave them now go from their lives now by the authority of Jesus name I command every unclean spirit that is influencing their lives out now out now out now go leave them in Jesus name I break the power of your influence I say loose them now let them go in the name of Jesus by the authority of Jesus name I rebuke the spirit of witchcraft spirit of witchcraft come out in the name of Jesus out from them leave them in Jesus name every spirit connected to witchcraft go now go now in Jesus name every spirit connected to Wicca out in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus we're gonna stay in this mode for several minutes just I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on the Lord if you need to put your hands down if you want to keep them up whatever's gonna help you focus stay in a posture of receiving I command every unclean spirit connected to the new age, come out in the name of Jesus. I command every spirit connected to spiritism, come out in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of divination, every spirit connected to fortune telling, astrology, psychics, come out now, leave them by the authority of Jesus' name. I command you to leave them now, out of them now, come out in the name
name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I break the power of any spirit of sorcery. I command you to leave the people, come out of them in the name of Jesus. I break the power of the spirit of addiction, any addiction to drugs and substances. Come out in Jesus' name. I break the spirit of addiction. I command you to come out from them, out from them. Leave them now, go from them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break your power. I take authority over any generational curses, any spirits that came through the family line. Come out in Jesus' name. Any spirits connected to Freemasonry or satanic cults or Eastern Star, come out now, out now, out now, in the name of Jesus. I break the power of any spirit connected to yoga or Hinduism. Come out now, in the name of Jesus. Out now, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Leave them now, leave them now. Go from them, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of the spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, I command you by the authority of Jesus' name. Come out of them now. Spirit of fear, come out now. It's leaving you right now. Spirit of fear is coming out now, leaving you in Jesus' name. I command every spirit of anxiety and fear, come out by the authority of Jesus' name. I command the spirit of intimidation, come out by the authority of Jesus' name. Leave them now, all fear. Any spirits connected to fear have to go now in Jesus' name. I take authority over the spirit of death. Spirit of death, come out in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of death, every spirit connected to death, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus. Leave them now. Leave them now. I command a spirit of oppression to come out in Jesus' name. Every spirit of heaviness, oppression, come out by the authority of Jesus' name. Every spirit that brings depression, spirit of depression, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke you. I command you to go. thank you father i thank you father i thank you god for your presence i thank you for your presence i thank you for your holy spirit moving through this place god i pray for your holy spirit to come come holy spirit fill every heart in this place fill every heart in this place i release the power of the holy spirit to begin to touch hearts and minds that were shattered through trauma every spirit that was connected to trauma. I take authority over every unclean spirit that came through trauma. I command you, come out now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declare a release of the healing power of the Holy Spirit into the hearts and minds that were shattered and broken and fractured through trauma. I release the healing of the Holy Spirit right now. He's coming and touching your heart, touching your heart. I speak to the soul of people in this room and I say, be made whole in the name of Jesus. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. I speak to the soul, I speak to the mind. God's healing right now inside. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, would you walk through this room? Would you walk through this room? Would you walk through this room? Would you release wholeness, peace, shalom? the effects of trauma. I command a spirit of trauma come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command every unclean spirit that came through sexual abuse come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go from them now. You're leaving them now. You have no more place.
place in their lives. I command you to go out by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, you're leaving them. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I command every spirit that came through curses, word curses, demonic curses, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go from them now. Go from them now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I encourage you to keep your eyes on the Lord. It's okay if there's cries and that's, right? We just read about that in Acts 8, right? It said with loud cries. Sometimes it happens. So Lord Jesus, would you just minister? Would you minister? Would you minister? I want to have... Um, Where, uh, where's, where's our deliverance? If you're, if you're on our deliverance team, would you come to the front? If you're on our deliverance team, would you come to the front? I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you right now. Just keep your eyes on the Lord. Terry, could you, um, could you and Jeremy just go minister to her? Ladies, I'm gonna have Jeremy and um, Terry just come over and just begin to minister to her, okay? Thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for freedom right now. I rebuke the spirit of suicide. I command a spirit of suicide. Come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit of suicide, come out now in Jesus' name. It's leaving you. It's leaving you. It's leaving you. And not just the individual, but I'm speaking over the room as well. I command every spirit of suicide, every spirit that's put suicidal thoughts and images, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Leave them now. Come out from them in the name of Jesus. I take authority over the spirit of infirmity, spirit of infirmity and sickness. Come out in Jesus' name. I command every unclean spirit of infirmity, of pain. Leave their bodies. Leave them now. Leave them now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I release heat. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come to quicken bodies. I bless immune systems to be strengthened, to be made whole. I bless bodies to be restored by the authority of Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I take authority over the spirit of torment. Spirit of torment, come out in the name of Jesus. Leave them now, leave their lives. Come out from their bodies, leave their minds, leave their souls. Come out in Jesus' name. Go from them now, go from them now. By the authority of Jesus' name, we break the spirit of torment. Command it to go. I command any unclean spirits of sexual perversion lust, pornography, or sexual abuse, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command every spirit of shame out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command any spirits that came in through an abortion to go out now, to go out now, to go out now, to leave them now, leave them now, out now by the authority of Jesus' name. And I pray healing, Lord, over the heart, healing, restoration, forgiveness, cleansing over it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. <sighs> Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come? Thank you that you heal the broken heart. You heal the broken heart. You restore the soul. 
You're the Prince of Peace, Jesus. You're the Prince of Peace, Lord. I pray over minds right now that have not had peace. Lord, the, the minds have been restless. And I speak over the minds and I say, Shalom, peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I command every unclean spirit that's been tormenting the mind and bothering the mind and making noise in the mind, come out in Jesus' name now. I command every lying spirit that tells lies, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ from them in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. I thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, would you just continue to move in this place? Reveal yourself, God, to those that need you most and those that need you right now, those that are crying out to you, those that are seeking you, Lord. Just reveal yourself in a personal way. Pour out your Holy Spirit, God, to minister your grace, to minister your anointing, your presence, your love, your truth into their hearts. Let them encounter you, Jesus. You, you're the deliverer. You're the healer. You're the restorer. Would you do it, Father? I thank you, God. I thank you, Father. How's everyone doing out there? Everyone doing okay? Everyone doing all right? We're gonna, um, in a few minutes, we're gonna like open it up for personal ministry. And we're also gonna dismiss anyone that needs to be dismissed. Um, but I wanna just check in and do a kind of a closing prayer. How many, how many people have felt something leave them, come off of them, come out of them? Put your hands up and just kind of wave them around. Put your hands up. It's okay. There's no shame. There's no shame. There's no shame. Look at look at hands in the room. Just wave them around a little bit. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. God is good. God is good. Yeah. Lots of hands around the room. So that's amazing. God works through that corporate prayer time. He can move. And then God can also move in the personal ministry time, which we're going to do in just a minute. But I want you just to put your hand over your heart. Because I want to pray that not only would you be emptied of the wrong spirits, but you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with God's Spirit, the Spirit of truth. And the Bible actually says in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God is poured out into our hearts by His Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, whom He's given us. And I'm gonna pray that God will do that right now. So I want you just to pray this, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that by the blood of Jesus, you have redeemed me. You've cleansed me. You have forgiven me. You've called me your child and that you love me. And I thank you that you've made me a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Right now, I receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Let rivers of water flow out of my innermost being. And let every area of my life that was once under demonic influence be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now just wait on the Lord for a minute. Just focus on Jesus and just focus on receiving. God, I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill your people in this place. God, let there be a fresh filling right now, a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit into every area of their lives. God, every area that the enemy had a hold in, that there was a demonic influence, be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. God, even let them have a tangible encounter with your love filling their hearts. 
Let the spirit of truth fill them. Let your perfect love drive out fear, God. Let your light expel all darkness. Let those rivers of living water flow from their innermost being, releasing life and salvation and freedom and peace. The fruit of your Holy Spirit, God. I declare your blessing over them because in Christ Jesus, we are blessed and not cursed. So I declare, Lord, let your blessing shine upon them. Let your face shine upon them. Let your goodness fill their lives, God. Draw them closer to you, God. Let deliverance not just be an encounter that happened, an experience, but a propelling them into a deeper relationship with you, God, a hunger for your word and desire for your presence and to walk with you and follow you and obey you. So I bless what you're doing, what you've done in this place tonight. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for joy. I thank you for peace. Thank you for lifting off heaviness, for healing hearts. I bless them, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a big hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus.